0: I love your new <laughs> podcast,
1: The Down Baz <laughs> Power Hour, Power Hour. Um, but yeah. where the yeah, profile photo was a said. dick. Down Baz, the artwork is a penis. Everybody dropping what they're doing to see us. Jesus. Holy smokes. I just woke up from the craziest dream. Well... Wait a second. Dearest listeners of the Downbaz Power Hour, on Monday, I made a difficult change to the show. Effective immediately, the penis artwork will no longer be a part of its identity due to extenuating circumstances, like life changes and sorry, I think I'm going to pass on this interview for now, or oh, I'm not listening to a podcast with a penis on it. As much as it pains me to do this, I believe it is the right thing to do going forward. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of your support throughout the run, and I hope you continue to listen in. And don't think this is the final logo. No, no, no. We'll be unveiling a brand new one in the new year. Have a safe and happy holiday, and enjoy the first of our four scheduled guest episodes. With love, Baz. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we are entering a a period of the Down Baz Power Hour where things are slowing down. Not a lot is happening. So as I mentioned in the introduction for the next few episodes, we'll be having some guests on. I put it on my social feeds uh, a few weeks ago to kind of be like, hey, who wants to come on? We've got four people and starting it off today for episode number 61. We go way back. Very, very long time. This is my good friend from the great state of Texas, Robert Faubourg, coming with us live here on the show. How you doing, man? Great to see you. It's been such a long time.
0: Yeah, it has. Um, it's really great to come on and catch up with you and talk about fun things in the world and uh, just see what what's going on everywhere and stuff. It's been a very long
1: time. Absolutely. <laughs> and to think, I think we first met, um, we did theater camp like 10 years ago, yeah, probably a little over that. And that's it's crazy just what happens. Hey, moral of the story, guys, you never know when people in your life are going to come back. So don't cut anybody off. Don't don't um, don't take anybody for granted because you never know when they're going to show up in your life again. And it, it's great. 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 Great to catch up. Great to great to have you on. I appreciate you giving me your time here. But of course, what what is what is what is the most prevalent thing on your your mind right now i'm going with like the therapy gecko question you know when he like sits down with his guests to <laughs> be like what is the most prevalent thought on your mind right now we'll go there with the holidays uh right around the corner what's what's been on your mind
0: um hmm, prevalent that's a good question uh if i have to say prevalent like most prevalent thing on my mind other than the holidays because obviously everyone's like focused on that like uh, how can I enjoy my holidays without letting some of my family members
1: piss me off? <laughs> that's that's but... a, that's a, that's a very, that's a very interesting thought to have because a it's valid always, it's, one too. it's always fun to come home and, <laughs> and have those conversations and have those discussions and debates and, and arguments. And at, at, at this point, I've realized that it's not, it's like, I'm, I, it, in my house, it's four against one. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much like talking to a brick wall. I've got nobody to back <laughs> me up. I've got nobody to help me out. So um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just tried to avoid those conversations altogether.
0: Yeah, I guess it's mostly how can I, how can I enjoy my time and be myself without being too much of myself to where somebody has, somebody has to tell me how that's not cool
1: <laughs> no i totally get that that's a very um, real feeling to have and um i think you and i are very much in that same boat in terms of, of how we act
0: for sure 100 gotta do a little bit of mask a little Absolutely. bit
1: of masking masking it's it's a great it's a great technique i've been doing it for for 22 years i think i've gotten it's like my top endorsed skill on linkedin at this point <laughs> <laughs> it's what is be. your
0: greatest strength masking what is your weakest strength masking
1: <laughs> true it's it's a double-edged sword really it is
0: um if, if i'm gonna be honest though i think one of the most prevalent things on my mind um uh like uh let's say stepping outside of myself uh let's take like the lens off of like a self-centered um type answer uh, i would say that obviously i'm very upset with the uh, with how things are going in the world. Obviously, I I think it's horrible uh, that we have a government that's funding a lot of horrible things happening in the Middle East right now. Um, Obviously, there's not really much we can do, unfortunately. But uh, I think that spreading awareness still, even a couple months in, uh, just keeping things in the loop and making sure to inform people that may be open to it is super helpful um i also am pretty something that's pretty prevalent on my mind is how uh the democratic party is kicking itself in the face in the u.s by running somebody who nobody likes and uh nobody really wants to and they're running with this like pessimistic like oh vote for us or else the world will suck but they're not giving us anything positive to run for so it's really hard to get people to come out and vote whenever your only way of getting people to vote is like, hey, look at the other guy; he really sucks. So vote for our guy that sucks less. Um, I wish that we would run on a little bit more, um, progressive things. Uh, perhaps like ceasefire. Um, perhaps like, uh, you know, funding social programs. I mean, the last time that a social program was changed was uh the uh, Obamacare Act, and uh, there's still people that want to repeal it, even though it's honestly one of the very shining things that happened to the Obama administration. So, sure. uh, you know, I mean, before that, like you talk to people in Europe and the rest of the world, you tell them, yeah, um, before, I, I don't remember the year it was passed, but before the Obama act passed, insurance companies could deny you healthcare for pre-existing conditions. Like, Oh, you were born with lupus and you, Oh, well get fucked. Like, yeah, congrats. Um, you don't get healthcare. Uh, that's like a dystopian society, like a novel that you would read. Like, people in europe are like oh you're joking like you're you're pushing it over like you're obviously like over embellishing and it's like no seriously you couldn't get healthcare in the us before like 2017 or i mean uh like 2013 or something without uh or i mean if you had a pre existing condition it was kind of like oh get fucked bud like good luck so um i just think that we like i just think that the platform is not very good i, I don't like the whole pessimistic running of like you know, it it's really it just sucks. It's like who wants to go out and vote for the people that are like, hey, um, we're gonna do terrible things just at a lesser rate. Like nobody wants to vote for that.
1: Sure. No, I think that's a great point, and especially with just the idea that you know it's a very pessimistic society, and it's a bummer that the Democratic Party. And I mean, I don't like to be super political on this podcast, but I think most people kind of know where I, I sit. But um, uh, you know, you know, it's they just don't really have anybody good to run or really good to compete. It's just it's it's to your point, they're just kind of presenting a less ideal option but it's like who kind of sucks less you know i think that's a really good point um and of course the israel-palestine conflict of course this is a very uh important one i do believe it's um important to talk about um i have not talked about it a ton on here but um yeah i just think i'm I'm glad to see a lot of people still bringing awareness about it and uh, i think it's i would i would love to see you know this this conflict and i mean it just i don't i don't think we should go to war over it i don't think we should we should even have to be involved in it you know we just have to no. do what we can um to create awareness and kind of understand because you know this is this is just a byproduct of of colonialism and yeah tons of other petty wars and crimes and even well yeah. I, I even war crimes you could say
0: oh 100 percent. it's like what's happening right now is something that like would happen in the 17 and 16 and 14 and 1300s with like imperialism and colonialism, colonialism, like, you know, it's, it's like that, but now obviously the rest of the world has progressed to the point where we're like, Hey, um, maybe we shouldn't do that. Um, and so it's kind of like unprecedented because something like this hasn't happened in a decently long time, I would say. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of like, uh, you know what why are there people in South, southern america that speak dutch as their first language i mean it's obvious they were they were it was a colony you know um but i just think that um slowly it's coming around i think i think it's the most understanding of the situation that the us population has been uh since 1947 6 whenever the um whenever israel was established um I just think that we're still far away from where we need to be. Um, The rest of the world understands the issue and is very clear on what side they understand it from. And I feel like in the U S it's a little bit embarrassingly the opposite way, which I can't really blame everyone for. I understand our education is not great. Um, uh, Like our, not like our, I mean, our secondary education is great, like colleges and stuff, but I'm talking about like our um, public education. uh, Isn't the best. And then also obviously you have propaganda and, you know, you have a lot of people taking money from IDF and like from, uh, institutions that are to defend that, uh, Zionist movement. But, um, I also just think it's not the, it's kind of a, it's kind of a depressing time in the U S in general, because not only for the democratic party, but honestly, just like, um, every political platform is pretty much ran on the idea of pessimism. Like vote for us. Cause we won't ruin you, but they don't really bring anything to the table. It's kind of just like, vote for us. The other people suck. And, um, that just kind of sucks. Um, I think it would be better if we had a more positive outlook on these things. But I do think that the U.S. does tend to be a little bit more pessimistic than other countries. And um, our way of life is a lot quicker. Uh, things happen very quickly. Um, I lived in Spain for three weeks. Uh, trying, I, I wanted to go to college there before I, I got really big into football recruiting and stuff. I wanted to go to college there because the life there is so much slower. People enjoy moments longer. Um, You walk to work, you walk to school, not a lot of car rides. The public transport's great. Like things are just like you turn a couple notches down in terms of the pace of life and it makes things way more
1: enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, I had the pleasure yeah. of studying in Spain too. And I think that's a great point. Plus like you can literally take a nap in the middle of the day. It's great.
0: Oh yeah. This, uh, what is it? Um, the, siesta. the siesta. Yeah, siesta.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the siesta is, it's great. You know, I, I, what part of Spain did you study in actually?
0: Um, it was in a small village uh, called Grado in Asturias, which is like the northernmost state of Spain. So you were in um, like Galicia, right? Uh, y- right to the right of it. Like uh, okay, okay. Yeah. So like, I did hear some people speaking Galician, and it's really interesting. I can understand a decent portion of it because it's like a weird like Spanish-Portuguese mix. Um, I recently started studying Portuguese, so I understand a little better now. But um, even then. It was really funny um there's a lot of really interesting rural accents in that area because uh fun fact Asturias was the last standing uh part of Spain that was like the last part of Spain that was captured by the Moors in the 1600s I believe it was um uh so like it it's like the part of Spain that has the least um like uh Arabian uh cultural and language uh influence because it's got got more
1: of like because if i'm not mistaken, gallego it's got more of like a like a like a scottish and irish like twinge to it am i am i remembering that correctly
0: it's like um i would yeah okay so i guess a good way to explain it would kind of be like how the rest of spain sounds a certain way kind of like the rest of uh the rest of uh what's it called uh the uk sounds a certain way but then once you go up north uh, usually northern parts of countries are usually the last conquered for the most part, just for the fact that um usually the most North and most South, just for the fact that these are going to be your most uh climate uh in, or your most like difference in climate difference in terrain. Um, You know, a lot of times you're either bordering an, an ocean or you're bordering a mountain and those are hard to, to attack. And that's exactly why Asturias was the last standing state in Spain. It's a really mountainy area. Uh We lived like kind of in the middle of the mountains, like you would, Walk outside; it would be a very crisp, cool, like twenty degrees out. It was nice and nice and warm there. Um, <laughs> uh, that was Fahrenheit, by the way. It was not warm. Uh, and uh, every time you walked to school, you could just see mountains in the background uh, with snowy peaks and greenery all around the bottom of the mountain. Like it was beautiful. And so, um, it's really funny to hear how the language sounds so much different um, and so much more like. Uh, uh, Castilian up there, uh, rather than down in the South. I mean, the South of every country sounds weird. Like, you know, people make fun of rednecks in the U S but I'm going to be honest, every other country has their rednecks in the South. I don't know what it is about being closer to the equator, but it just makes you sound a little, little funny. Um,
1: and they talk slow um, too, because I studied in Sevilla okay, like yeah, <laughs> Andalusia, And I mean, they, it was really easy because, well, number one, I was staying with like an older woman, Mm-hmm. who worked for like the spanish government and she did not speak a lick of english <laughs> yeah. and she talked really slow which was great because yeah that's
0: the best um, because if that's they talk to learn a language right it's if just if they talk, th- throw yourself in
1: right if they talk fast like it's not really easy to understand but i mean like she didn't speak a lick of english so we could like you know somebody i was staying with we could just converse in english just for a second to get a translation and then like speak back and it'd be fine like she wouldn't know yeah unless she was just putting up a front and it was all just uh, That would be so cool. And she just like knew what we were saying the whole time.
0: Um <laughs> She she thought you were a spy from the US and so she kept her cover.
1: <laughs> maybe you never know. Um yeah, but I'm sure that's that's good money though. To be like a host host like parent, family, whatever. You probably make some some decent decent money for doing that.
0: So, this actually was a program where uh we took their child for 3 weeks and then i went over and stayed with them for 3 weeks so i actually made a really good friend out of it um his name was uh, Josue. and uh, we still keep up to this day
1: hosway uh, with a u i love it
0: yes uh, uh j o s u e yeah. yeah Josue. yeah yeah um it's not a very common name in the us uh like for Hispanic people I, I haven't really heard it much in the US it's a much more Spanish name yeah uh, it's it,
1: there's definitely and just in a, a lot of other countries that aren't because I mean I, I took Spanish for a really long time like I I graduated with like my seal of biliteracy in high school so I could literally teach it if I wanted to fun fact
0: oh cool I didn't even know that that's awesome. yeah so
1: that's why I was like it, it, when you said Spain I was like oh shit like that's super cool because I I got to study there I mean I, I know the language pretty well I mean obviously i can't really speak it as well as i used to but i can like understand what people are saying if i can like you know if they're talking about it in in movies or in in whatever like i can kind of pick up words and stuff of course yeah uh i speak
0: english spanish um a decent amount of russian and then i'm learning portuguese now nice Um, so yeah i i always tell people i speak two and a half languages
1: yeah Uh, you're getting there i think it's crazy though because in in Europe, you know, it's almost so customary to speak multiple languages. And you kind of mentioned a couple minutes ago how the the U.S. like secondary education, like, you know, high schools, they don't really they don't they don't push languages on people. I think that's a real Not shame. Like, I think everybody should be able to speak multiple languages because in every other country in the world, it's almost like it's a requirement to speak English or to speak, you know, a different language to be able to communicate with people. So, I yeah, I am very surprised by that
0: hundred percent. Um, my, my, uh, Josue, my, uh, exchange, I don't know, student, I guess you could say, um, he spoke English great, uh, Spanish obviously. And then, uh, French, he spoke at a very high level too. And, uh, that, that's just kind of like customary. Um, and the thing is, is that even in the U S even if you take, like, I, I remember I had a friend in high school, um, And she she was very smart. She just got her degree in STEM. So she's a smart person, but um, even her, uh, we were in Spanish five um, and uh, I mean, I already had a really decent grasp of the language. So I was fine and I passed the AP test and like, you know, um, I would call myself fluent in Spanish and uh, this was before taking the class. So it's a little bit different, but as somebody who she didn't speak Spanish outside of class, but she took all five years of Spanish she had to ask me for help on almost every single homework assignment or, you know, and then on the AP test, she got like a one or a two, like she did not pass and it's not her fault. It's just the the language teaching in the U S is just abhorrent. Like, um, there isn't, it's, it's absolutely taught on a basis of vocabulary, 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 but like no comprehension. So like all you have to do is learn the words, take the test or the quiz and then you're good. Whereas in a lot of other countries, it is granted, it is a little bit easier to learn English from another country just for the fact that most media is in English. And um, that's probably your best way if you're looking to learn a language for anybody out there that wants to learn a language, watch movies, listen to podcasts, watch TV shows um, with uh, subtitles if you can, and just throw yourself into the language. So a lot of these kids in other countries learn English just from YouTube watching Minecraft let's plays when they're growing up or watching like Markiplier play scary games and they just learn English that way. So um I know it's a little different but it's just in the US I feel like if you take 4 to 5 years of a language in in high school I feel like you should probably be able to speak it at least at a halfway decent level.
1: I, I agree. I think it's it's tough because I I had some really great teachers and they um they just did a really great job, you know, doing all four like four main parts of like what communication is. Right. So there's reading. So we did like reading, we would do like listening exams, we would do speaking exams, and we would obviously do like vocabulary and just like comprehension and just like application of the language. And I think because of that, I was in a much better position than like just learning vocabulary and like, here's how to say this, here's how to say that. Um, and like even even like this like this past semester, like somebody paid me like thirty bucks a week to do like Spanish one, like Span one oh one in college. And oh, wow. I mean, all I was doing was like clicking buttons. I mean, it was like I still had it. Like, I mean, it wasn't like yeah. I lost it after but I mean, if I was if I was to go in and teach like, you know, you know, Spanish four or a four hundred level class, like I I probably couldn't do it because like I don't have the language, you know, that as as good as I used to.
0: Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that's probably because of COVID. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I, I lost so much language uh, comprehension in Spanish after COVID. Like before COVID, I remember taking a test. Uh, my friend from Mexico is like, you speak pretty well, but like, I wonder how you would test like, uh, you know, those tests that you could take where it's like a uh, C1, C2, C3 or whatever. I don't remember. Yeah, it's like, it's like,
1: I think it's, it's like the Apple test. Like it's like you, it's, it's AAPPL. It's for like language proficiency.
0: Yeah, I, I took that test. I don't remember what letter it was, but it said I had like around like a 70 something percent uh, comprehension fluency level or something, 70 something or like 69 or 73. It was somewhere in there, which is decent. Um, I I lack a lot of like specific vocabulary, obviously. Like um, I, I say that I'm fluent in Spanish, but I, I don't obviously know how to like It's a fluency of like, I can live there and I can speak it and I can comprehend a lot, but I'm not going to know very specific words like, um, you know, like syringe cap. Uh, I'm not going to know how to say that. Right. Um, But I think that kind of goes like, I don't know that. That's why I don't say that I'm like completely fluent in the language because I just don't know these specific terms. But I feel like these are terms you're not going to know unless you're either, in academia in one of those countries, or you grew up natively learning it. Right. Um, or if you spend a lot of time on it, which, you know, if you can, that's awesome. But like, uh, to me, it just, the, the benefit cost, uh, like, you know, the cost slash, uh, like the reward cost is not like high enough to spend that much time to learn these like specific terms that I will use once every maybe like 500 hours of speaking the language. But, sure. uh, I took that test and I did really great on it. And, um, then I don't know. I want to say a couple years later, I retook it and I did not score very well. Um, and this was after COVID. Most of my people that I talked to in Spanish were in person, but after two years of minimal contact, um, it, it's crazy how quick you lose it. Um, but luckily I've started to speak it again a lot. Cause I just recently transferred to Texas state in San Marcos, Texas. And, um, Almost half of the student body is uh, Hispanic. Um, and I think at least 25% of the student body, um, I would say, probably speak Spanish as a first language or a co codependent or I mean, co-dominant language, you know, sure. in a uh, split language household. And so it's come back pretty quickly too. But uh, it, it is kind of sad that uh, COVID definitely has affected my second language and my third language proficiency. Um as and I would say as well, probably my first language for SCD as well, actually. I feel like I, I feel like uh, it has definitely impacted like um I I would say that I feel bad for people that are that went through COVID during a very important socialization period, um, like let's say uh getting into middle school or getting into elementary or getting into high school, like these transition years where you learn how to interact at a higher level and like different social environments a lot of these kids kind of got that stripped away and i wonder what impact that has on society in general uh just from like a social interaction slash um emotional intelligence like social intelligence level like
1: no uh, i think that's a really that's a great point actually because i don't even people who just had graduated high school or college i think those are also two really big transitionary times not only yeah. from like high school to college but even college into like being a you know into post grad and getting your first job and then imagine just like sitting at home and working and not really getting you know as as beneficial of a you know chance to socialize with people or you know your social intelligence emotional intelligence just goes down because you're just not yeah. interacting with it as well i think it's a point well taken
0: yeah um i I, I I guess really it does suck also for the college students because, um, you know, college is supposed to be, uh, obviously, it's the most important thing. Actually, I wouldn't even, I mean, okay, so obviously the most important thing is the education. But I do think that very, very close to is just learning how to be your own person and live by yourself. So, um, like, even if your degree is something basic and you don't necessarily... Like, unfortunately, because it's so expensive, there is an argument to not go to college. But let's say in a perfect world where I don't know, we have social programs that pay our students, like pay for our students to become educated people Yep. Um. like every other country that's in the world except us. Um. <laughs> uh, let's say that that's the case. Um, I would say that like right up number two, very close to the education would just be how to work with other people, how to be your own person, how to live by yourself, how to discover yourself, how to, um, you know, take situations by yourself when you're not like, I mean, obviously you can always come to your parents for help. Uh, hopefully like you have a support system, but I know everybody doesn't, but, um, it, it's how to like, learn how to live on your own. And so I think that a lot of people got that taken away from them because, you know, you weren't able to go, you know, you weren't living by yourself fully yet. Like you're just sitting in your home and ordering groceries online. Like you are not going out into the world, doing groceries, um, you know, getting your car fixed, uh, going to parties, uh, socializing, being in clubs, going to class in person and meeting people and talking to people and exchanging ideas, culture, language, you name it. Like these are important things. These are what defines humanity. This is what makes us a different, this is what, makes us like a unique species um and yeah i'm gonna i i should mention i'm an aquatic bio major so i'm a biologist i'm a really big nerd i you know that i look at this stuff also from like a biological standpoint uh that's what makes humans so different than any other species is obviously we do have species that have a um that have some level or semblance of culture and social interactions like social hierarchy but it's, it's not anywhere near as complex as humans. Uh, the closest it gets is probably uh, like Monkeys. bonobos. Yeah, bonobos or chimps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, these are our closest, uh, most recent ancestors or most recent common ancestors are bonobos and chimps. And they have some semblance of uh, society or like a um, understanding of like trade and culture. But it's not like humans. Humans have such a depth of culture social interactions, society, religion, like, you know, these are just things that make us human. And so whenever you don't get to experience the humanities, it, it really takes a toll on you, I think, truly. Um, I think that's why it's so important to teach humanities. Uh, I think that's another big problem that the U.S. has been facing in the last 60 years is the degradation of the arts and humanities. And, you know, it, obviously science is important. As somebody who's, a, I'm a science major and a science minor, my minor's chemistry. I love science. I'll sit here all day and talk about science, but science is nothing without culture and arts and humanities. That's what makes us human. And those are important to understand, um, especially when we're talking about issues that have anything to do with people because anything that is political inherently has to do with humans. So if you don't understand the humanities and arts, then you don't know how to treat humans like humans.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I. you know, having my freshman year be, right after COVID started, you know, it was, it was hard for, you know, because I lived, I, I decided my parents were like, Oh, if you want to go to Chicago, you can. And I was not about to like, you know, sit at home and like do college at home. Right. And just feel like I never left. So, I mean, I'm thankful that I, you know, was able to go and and live my life, but also it was probably also one of the worst decisions I ever made for myself (laughs) because I just feel like I changed so much in just like, you know, four months of being away that it kind of like changed the rest of like my college life. I mean, obviously we were all online, but I mean, I was living in like a 250 square foot like studio apartment. I didn't really know anybody, right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of put myself in a... a st- I told you about me getting canceled, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that... Wait. That
0: Okay. Wait. So,
1: okay. So I'll make it really Maybe short.
0: surface level.
1: Okay. Yeah. So obviously people who have listened to this podcast before and people who know me know what happened, but basically... Uh, I got canceled because I sent my SoundCloud name to like a group chat with like 500 people and it was MC Helen Keller. Some girl who happened to be deaf was offended by it. And you know, <laughs> some people just started to gang up on me and it got pretty bad. And I mean, there were, there were genuinely still some people who hate me for it to this day because I was talking to this this one girl over the summer and she even asked me about it. Like, Oh, tell me more about this. And I'm like, it happened four years ago. Are we really still talking about this? You? No, I'm. I'm and- not kidding, bro. Like, I mean, it was. <laughs> it was so bad because, like, you know, at the time, you know, you kind of make this mistake because obviously you're just chronically online. You're not thinking, and yeah. it puts you in this situation. And you know, I just found that, like, you know my anxiety and my stress got so much worse. Like I didn't even like, I mean, obviously when I was younger, I was diagnosed with it, but it wasn't really like, I mean, I was a happy go lucky kid. You know, I never had to worry about like being anxious or feeling like people didn't like me or or, yeah. or whatever. So when, when then all of a sudden it's just like, you don't know who likes you or who hates you. And it's just like clouding your, your judgment and you know, your, your vision, you know, you, and you're living by yourself and you don't know a lot of people and you don't have yeah. like a support system it just, it just screws you up. And I remember like coming back in that, that spring semester and what made it worse was it was only freshmen living on campus. <laughs> oh, so like my life was like a living hell because you didn't know who liked you or who didn't. And, you know, you're constantly fighting those demons of like, Oh my gosh. um You know, it's just so like, your mind is always racing. It's always, your head's always on a swivel. Cause you don't know, you know, where you stand with people, and obviously. Yeah. If you want to hear more about this, everyone go listen to episode number twenty. That's MC Helen Keller. That's the name of the episode. But yeah, no, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a point well taken that you brought up. That just like, you know, with college and stuff, like, bro, we were wearing masks for like two years. You know, I didn't get to see people's faces until my junior year. It's like I'd only seen you from like, you know, eyes up, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, you have a face. Um, yeah, and it's just it's so bizarre, like even like during COVID, like I grew a mustache, like I grew my hair out a little bit, like, and then I came back my, my junior year and I looked completely, I just wanted to like get a, it was kind of like a new excuse for me to have a fresh start. Like, like people had just seen me with a mask on, like, yeah. and, like, unless you knew me and you had yeah, with me, like it was a whole new start. And I kind of like that. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that is, I do like how you spun that positively. Um, I think that that's the best you can do in any shitty situation is try to spin part of it positively, obviously Um, you got to, sometimes you got to take the L and uh, mourn it. But um, I I think it's important to also try and look at the positives um, at least from our like perspective. I mean, we're privileged to have first world problems such as this, but like, right. um, You know, uh, I would say that that's a really good way to look at it. Um, That really sucks because honestly, I would say that, um things that i said when i was 17 and 18 i would make fun of myself now if i had heard myself back then and, and even I, probably, I would
1: make fun of myself for having exactly. that be like my so, it's not like that's your I mean, whole, like you know it's, it's not just like a
0: tone it's just a tone deaf joke from a chronically online 18 year old come on like let's yeah, like not i
1: don't yeah, I don't think like it let's not it,
0: crucify it, you for it because right. it's like I mean I was chronically online too um at 18 you know I I had a discord account I have a pc like obviously right um you know I you know and that was also I do think that that's also a thing that is not being taken as serious enough is kind of like um you know there's a lot of really really bad like I don't know how to say it like I want to say like for like in youtube the youtube algorithm in like the early 2010s or i mean sorry the late 2010s uh pushed a lot of really harmful content towards especially young males uh uh and it's i'm it's i'm almost 100% sure it's had a bad effect on like misogyny and uh just like like being anti cancel cult like being like anti-woke you know like oh, the yeah. whole like sjw owned compilation era and, and i think that honestly a lot of that made a lot of people very tone deaf to things that they shouldn't like um you know obviously comedy is like something that can somewhat exist on a different um level of uh like offensiveness than what is culturally acceptable in the rest of the world. But, like, at the same time, I think that it's created a lot of, like, just people that just are, they just think that being horrible is funny, and it really sucks, because, like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I thought that shit was funny when I was, like, 16 and 15, but the problem is, is there's people that, like, grew up watching that and never, like, expand, expanded their understanding and, like, uh, their empathy, that's something that I think a lot of people lack because of that era, Oh, absolutely. Empathy.
1: Yeah, I think um, that's a great point. Like yeah. I don't I don't think it's something that's talked about enough. And even just like I don't know, like you look at like South Park or or Family Guy or any of those things that like again, that same kind of demographic would find funny. Mm-hmm. Or even like Norm McDonald, right? Like I think Norm McDonald's hilarious, but like I I'm I'm laughing for a different reason than yeah. some people who would watch his, you know what I mean? I just feel like we're laughing for different reasons. I've also talked about this on a, on a previous show, but like, Oh, okay. Everyone's like, you know, oh, like there's this, there's one clip that I saw the other day. It's like South park predicted this. They're so funny. And it was like some like parody about like California giving money to the homeless. And it's like, people would be like, it's so true, but it's like, no, the reason why this is funny is because, it's it's satire it's not supposed to be intentionally in your face funny and true it's supposed to be making fun of like like structural and systematic injustices that have perpetrated for multiple generations (laughs) like that's why i think it's like that's why it's it's it was meant to be funny but the people who only look at the surface level and only look (laughs) at it for what it's worth again but this is there these people are cut from the same cloth and they don't have any real substantial understanding of what satire is or like You know, like there's this one joke from like the 90s, right? Norm Macdonald talks about like women drivers and people will be like, oh, it's so it's so true. It's so true. And it's it's like I think it's just it's it's almost a joke to prove a point. You know what I mean? Like it's it's
0: it's that's that's why I mean, I'm 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 a big leftist. And I think South Park is funny, a lot of it, because but it's not funny because it's not like, oh, funny, they're being. They're like people that think it's funny in the bad way. Think it's funny because it's like racist, sexist, or like homophobic. But they don't understand that the whole point behind South Park is making fun of how fucking shitty Americans are.
1: That's the whole show, exactly. Like it's it's so brilliant. That's the whole show. That's
0: just like Family Guy. Family Guy is making fun of your average dumbass white American guy that is like totally tone deaf and blind to what's wrong with what he's doing and people are like oh my god that's so funny because that's exactly how i feel and it's like no dog they're making fun of you like you are, you are like, literally
1: him he's just like you're the joke <laughs> yeah they're like that
0: they're like man peter griffin's so based and it's like what it's like what do you mean <laughs> literally he's like supposed to be the stupidest person in quahog or right. quahog however you say it yeah it's um, it's it's yeah, crazy no, exactly. how that works
1: crazy it's, how people just laugh for it's 100%
0: satirical. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it, that's why whenever someone's like, "Oh, I love South Park." I kind of like I kind of like, "Oh, yeah, I think it's funny." And then like I kind of like see how they react, like how they explain why they like it. Um and, you know, it's kind of tells a lot about how they see things. Um Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, there's just a lot of comedy that uh exists in a social satirical setting that sometimes people think is funny for the wrong reason, which really sucks because then it kind of reinforces that, but it's not the comedian's fault that they're making a good social, uh, what what, do you, what is that? Social commentary. social commentary yeah so that's the genre um they're making a good social commentary it's not their fault that people are just a little obtuse and don't understand it um, right or
1: the people who are like well you can't be funny anymore comedy is dead you oh, know it's like gosh it's like I, I can't stand it it's like you can find good comedy you just can't like you know I don't know you just you just can't really go at everything and just like l- use these as a model of like what is funny without actually understanding why they're writing what they're writing why they're saying what they're saying and yeah, you know, even stuff like Dave Chappelle, like Dave Chappelle was like so irreverent and even like, but it's again, it's to it's to prove a, it's all every, like you could argue that almost any kind of comedy out there is satire. It's not really like, yeah, it's not in your face. Funny.
0: Yeah. You know I, I mean? mean,
1: like that's even like even, people... even super crude stuff like Beavis and Butthead. Like it's funny, yeah. but it's it's supposed to be a, a satire, I think, in the same light.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like when people get mad at comedians when they're like, "Oh, you made up that story." Duh, that's the whole point of comedy is to be funny. Like, whenever someone says, like, starts telling a story in comedy, it usually it stems from some part of truth, but it embellishes to prove a point. Like, like when like when Dave Chappelle makes a joke about I I don't remember which one of his specials it was in the 90s when he was actually good um <laughs> he, he makes a point where he's like you know i was smoking weed in the car with my friend and he was drunk driving and he got pulled over but since he's white the cop let us go did that actually happen maybe but, but we don't probably know. not we don't know but it's embellished to show oh wow we have a social systemic issue with racism in the police force and um that's a bad thing and it's like okay you know it's funny it gives a great social commentary and it doesn't matter if the story's not true i think it accomplishes everything it needs to do and that's why i think it was kind of stupid that people uh got mad at what's his name hassan uh minaj is that his name uh they got mad at him because he embellished some stories that he said happened to him involving racism and he went and told the real story later because people were getting mad at him for it and the story isn't it's embellished but it's not too far off but it's like hey you're missing the whole point the whole point was him bringing up how it really sucks that like muslim americans are just shit on all day every day and you know he probably could have sat there for an hour and told a million stories about how he's been discriminated against but you know it like at the end of the day he's a comedian that's supposed to be funny while also bringing uh awareness to uh what it's like growing up in america as a um visibly muslim person uh obviously you know that's also a big part of it is uh your visibility you know like uh if you have two people the same group but one doesn't fit the stereotype they're not going to get discriminated against as much um so it's great to hear that perspective but told in a funny way so it's digestible to the masses because not everybody wants to sit there and listen to a ted talk about you know I grew up as a Muslim American and this is why it sucks because a lot of people, I don't know, they're either ignorant or, you know, that's why I think comedy is a great medium because it can bring issues to the forefront in a digestible matter for people that don't want to sit there and listen to a article, you know? No, I think that's a great point.
1: And the people who go to like Ted talks and not to generalize, but I feel like those are the kind of people who like act like they want to know more about the world around them. But like, yeah i feel like there aren't really a lot of ted talks that like say a whole lot because it's just like a speech it's just a presentation it's yeah. not like i could i i could watch like some youtuber who p- could probably say it in a way more interesting way and have have yeah. visuals with it or just have a good yeah. personality like some of these people are just super academic and it's i think that's why you said comedy is a great medium to kind of you know, talk about certain, certain social issues and certain like perspectives on society and, and whatever. And it, it's just, yeah, it, it's just, it's funny how comedy has just become, I don't, I don't even want to say ruin. It's just, it, it's changed and people think it's, it's, it's gone. It's yeah. just people, people just don't understand why things are funny or why people yeah are, are, it, be, are writing things the way they are. Like I said, I know, I hate that, that idea that comedy is ruined. That's not true.
0: It's just it hasn't evolved in a good way in the last 10-15 years because it's like, you know, you, you used to hear the old com like comic, uh, what's it called? Um uh stereotype of like, oh, airplane food jokes. Well now we have like a, a whole new genre of airplane jokes that are consist of two types of jokes. One, COVID jokes. They suck, get rid of them, stop. They're not funny. Two Fucking like woke, they're like, oh, cancel culture or woke. Like, every comedian loves to be like, I would say that, but I'd get canceled. It's like, all right, well, if you're going to get canceled for the joke, look back. Does it check this list? Is it funny? Is it funny? Is it funny? If it's no on any (laughs) of those, that's why you got canceled. You can't make a, you can't just walk up and be like, like what Dave Chappelle does now. You can't just walk up and be transphobic and be like no but it was funny like if it's done in a way that's tasteful and shows um some understanding of why uh like like it it, it's such a totally negative view of trans people when when he comes on the on his comedy specials and talks about it it's never in a way where it's like here let me make a joke about the situation while also giving credit to how we ostracize this group of people
1: Right, or even uh, look at South Park, like with Mr. Mister yeah. Garrison, right? It's like his character is supposed to represent what that means, but people think it's funny. They think the the whole ordeal is funny, and it's it's really not a laughing matter at all.
0: No, it, people think that they're, like, making fun of trans people, but they literally are not. They're actually right. making fun of how Mr. Garrison is, like – well, I, I, I haven't caught up with the newest – I don't know if it's Miss or Mrs. right now. They're Miss or Mr. right now, Um but like the whole thing was showing how hey look miss mr garrison is the same exact person they were they're just like everyone else but look at how much shit they take from everyone for no fucking reason
1: right and, that's exactly like, that's exactly the thing
0: that's the whole joke is it's like oh mr garrison is now miss garrison but nothing has changed about their personality nothing has changed about how they act they're the same person and they're just like everybody else in that fucking crazy town and there's no difference between you and them you right. as a cis right, cis uh like as a cis person or whoever like however you identify you are no different than them and i think it's a, it's like a great way to show that but of course yeah people take it the wrong way they're like oh my god look they're just like me for real and it's like no they're not being transphobic like they live in they live in you know like i mean even south park has done a good job in the past um obviously i think they're a little bit um I do think that they're a little bit more, uh, they're a little more reactionary than I would prefer. But I would sure. say that for the most part, they they tow a decent line, and um, they also I'm glad that they went back and apologized to Al Gore because they used to make fun of him, and like basically they're making fun of how they thought that climate change was not human controlled way back when in South Park, long time ago they made fun of Al Gore for it. Cause they were basically saying like, he's looking for man, bear pig. Like, it's not real. Like climate change isn't real. This was like way back when in like the early seasons. Right. And then uh, they came out later, the creators and were like, Hey, we were actually wrong about climate change. Like, and I want to say it was like 2011 or something. They came out and they're like, Hey, we were wrong about climate change. It is an actual issue. So we want to come out and state that our earlier episodes are the, the satire missed. like, it's actually not a satirical matter. It's like serious, right? Um, and that's like something that uh, I wish that the, that's, that's another issue that I really wish the US would understand and tackle better is climate change. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of people understand that we're in somewhat trouble with the climate, but as somebody who's taken a lot of biological, biological courses and um, Marines, I've taken Marine biology, I've taken a lot of advanced biology courses, um, I've taken environmental science. I've taken environmental policy. I, I understand these things from a decent academic understanding. And uh, those classes are depressing. Um, people don't realize how fucked we are. Uh, and I think that that really needs to be important. Like, I, I think that that's something that we could really be. Uh, I think that's something that should be pushed a lot in uh, platforms for political change for um people is climate change because um, i think that like the younger generation even if they tend to be conservative understand that environmental change is a problem even if they don't understand that it's human caused which by the way scientifically it is it's a demonstrable fact it's not an opinion it's not propaganda it's a demonstrable fact um we can take cores of ice from up to 50,000 years ago, cores of ice and look at the carbon levels in the air that's trapped in the ice. And we can understand how carbon emission in the air is just just totally different than it was. It's not even about the temperature. It's about the change in temperature in a certain amount of time. Obviously there's fluctuations in cycles. There's ice ages, there's, there's hot times, there's ice ages over history. Those things happen. Yes, and climate change happens naturally, but over millions of years, thousands of years, or in like a super natural event, like like when the asteroid struck the earth 63 million, 66 million years ago. Uh, and then uh, uh, there was many big volcanoes that erupted and ash clouded the sky. The world turned basically to ice because the sun couldn't penetrate. Um, and so like barring that, yes, climate change takes a long time to happen. But ever since the industrial age, like 1860, we've seen carbon emissions jump, like, uh, you know, like the graph is scary if you look at it. And I think that people don't realize that, I mean, obviously in our lifetimes, it's probably not going to affect us to the point where it like, you know, wipes out humanity, but like be a human and look out for further generations. Don't be a shithead and be like, well, not my problem. I've heard so many people say that and that shit really fucking pisses me off. The whole like, you know, well, it's not my problem. Why should I care?
1: That's one, day, one day of what happens in China and India could wipe out everything we do here in a day. It's like that could be true, but like still, you got to do your part and make yourself aware of what's going on in the the environment. And, you know, it, hey, it's it's not our problem. You're probably right. But, you know, for future generations, don't you want this to be a great place to live like? In, in 50 years or hundred years or 150 years from now. I mean, I, I certainly yeah. would like to do my part to make that happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, ask yourself if you, if you, okay. Yeah. Like ask yourself, would you feel the same way if you were born in like
1: fucking, uh, 2150, 20, yeah. you know, yeah. 2100, or, you know, 2050, any of those. Yeah.
0: Or even for like a more close at home example, for example, you're born in 1995 to a Vietnamese family in, uh, Northern Vietnam. And, um, well, you have a strange, uh, you have a strange disease. Nobody knows the cure. Nobody knows why it happened. The truth is agent orange was dropped on your family's village. Yeah. And, uh, your whole life is ass and your future generation. If you have children, they will have genetic mutations
1: and birth just, defects and all these things. Yeah, exactly. And
0: we're actually finding out now in science, we talked about this uh, a lot in biology. Uh, when we're talking about human biology, I don't take a lot of human, human related, or we don't talk a lot about human biology just because I'm an aquatic biology major. Most of it's zoology, but um, obviously in some of your earlier biological courses, you do talk about how it uh, turns back to man um, so that we can understand it. Um they're finding out that uh, their events called uh, shit. Okay. It's been a few years. Uh, basically it's a, it's a mutation that happens to your DNA um, instantaneously due to stress. So let's say, I mean, and this is things that this is generations that this will last. Um, that's why PTSD. If you, if your parents have PTSD from any situation, your dna will be altered in one way or another that you can't control and so in like if you could go back and stop these things from happening to your parents or your grandparents and fucking up you and your future you would do that so why wouldn't you do that for the future generations for climate change like exactly that's that's an that's literally that's what i think a lot of it stems from uh, no empathy i think that American exceptionalism and American individualism teaches no empathy at all. It's like, oh, why would I wear a mask? I don't care if I get COVID. You fucking jackass. It's not for you. It's for the person with lupus down the road that could die from getting fucking COVID. Like you, like American exceptionalism and American individualism. It's just about like, um, and I would say even capitalism to a certain extent, uh, especially a hyper capitalist society like the US. Um, It's all about me, me, me. How can i step on others on my way to the top and i think that a lot of other societies um even societies that still have somewhat capitalist governments like you could even point to like um you know places like norway denmark sweden like these people care about one another and they care about how others survive like they want to do what's right not just for them but for others too Empathy is something that I think the US lacks a lot of. There's a lot of people who, you know, they vote, let's say they vote Republican because they make a lot of money and they don't want their money taken away, but they don't think about how they just fucked over 60,000 poor people. Like, and and I don't think that's fair to be like, what can better my material conditions at a marginal rate to step on another 100,000 people's material conditions. I don't think that's right at all.
1: No, absolutely. I think, that,
0: I think that that like I said I just think that the American uh I don't even know what you'd say like culture or the American
1: dream is dead.
0: Oh, oh man, it's never been alive. Well, actually wait here, I will tell you. If you were a white man between 1776 and 1960, the American dream was fucking on. It was on. It was on, baby. You could do it. But other than other unless you weren't a white a white straight dude? Yeah. Um, American Dream definitely was not on. Let's. Uh, let's would say.
1: you say that empathy is in, though, for 2024? Obviously, this is just a question I'm going to ask all my guests and my guest okay, hosts. Yeah. But what would you say is in in 2024 and what are you leaving behind in 2023?
0: All right. Let's see. What is in in 2024? I'm going to say, let me think about it.
1: We'll start with empathy. Empathy. We need more empathy
0: oh 100% me, me an um, empath yeah i mean i i that's one that's like yeah i totally understand that cuz like i'm the type of person to uh when i watch movies i get really invested in the emotions of the actor or actress um and oftentimes i feel how they feel and it's sometimes it's scary sometimes that's why i can't watch movies that have a lot of stress in them cuz i'm like i feel their feelings and it's like shit you know it freaks me out my friends are like why are you freaked out and i'm like dude i don't know how to explain it It just fucking scares me (laughs) um i think that i think we need empathy i think understanding um i guess that kind of goes under empathy i think that um i think that in 2024 what should be in is i think that you should throw yourself into culture um to understand it better uh I think that you should make friends with people of all different types of backgrounds and ethnicities, religions, understand them. And, you know, that's a lot of ways that you can improve as a person. I I know plenty of people that went to college with very narrow mindsets that um, they didn't really think highly of marginalized groups of people. Let's say like the queer community or, um, you know, people on the spectrum, people that are like, of a different religion then they made friends with somebody of that community and now they're like oh wow like i was really fucked up me and like these people are just like me like they're they're just people you know um i think that that should be in in 2024 is uh expanding your like scope of uh like your view uh expand your view expand your friend group i would say in 2024 go out and talk to people um touch
1: grass you fucking
0: loser Go out and get touch off, grass. Get off the fucking League of Legends and go touch some fucking grass. Go to the cafe. Talk to the cute Bart or talk to the cute um barista, barista. Barista. Talk to the cute barista. Maybe they'll give you their number. Maybe they'll spit in your face. Either way, you try.
1: They could but, spit my coffee though, too.
0: Th- yeah. Um actually just <laughs> thank you. Um yeah. Uh thank you. Thank you. Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. Uh for, for legal reasons. Uh no. Um for
1: legal reasons. That was a joke
0: for for future employers watching this episode that was a joke um uh <laughs> for the government watching this episode that's trying to employ me in the late 30s to try and help with the environmental issues i'm sorry i did this was-
1: in minecraft i did this in minecraft
0: in minecraft if the barista that was really cute and had short hair and was like you know tall with black lipstick spit my coffee and i'd be excited that was in minecraft um i would say that in 2024 you should go out and experience life i I'm guilty of this as everybody is. Um, Luckily, I'm a very uh, outgoing person, so I usually don't have problems with this. But um, I definitely have in the past been like, you know what, Like, I'm too scared of rejection or I'm too scared of people thinking I'm weird or people being like, yeah, I don't like that person. But um, some of my best experiences in life have came from just opening my mouth and saying something to someone. Uh, Even if it's just fond memories of seeing someone in line and being like oh i like your shoes and then so watching their face light up because like oh that's you know they really that's enjoyed the best that.
1: compliment just, in the world man like as soon as somebody comes yeah literally like as soon as you get a compliment on your outfit let me tell you Day that made. is it's the it's the best thing in the world right it's like weak weak yeah, made weak exactly right it's like because then it's like oh i'm gonna wear this again and then i'm gonna you know my confidence yes. is boosted when i wear this you know what i mean you just like you get more i think that's that's a huge point and i think you mentioned you mentioned movies a little a little a little while ago, but I do want to bring up, obviously, Charlie Kaufman and the idea of being yourself. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he did like, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Synecdoche, New York. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a really great YouTube video by Pursuit of Wonder. It's probably my favorite YouTube video ever. Um, It's about Charlie Kaufman. I'll send it to you after this. Okay. but it basically talks about like on facing your true self and being an individual. I think that was really that's just something that came into my mind when we were talking about, you know, st- speaking your mind, being yourself and not being afraid of that because I feel like we live in a society where, you know, we have to present different versions of ourselves to other people or based on who we're we're with or whatever and you know, we're always, you know, afraid of rejection, we're always afraid of of the consequences of what we might say or do. We don't really like, we don't embrace that. Like, and again, I think this, again, stems back to what we talked about with like individualism. You can't fail. You can't have empathy. You can't, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no place for that. You have to be perfect every time. And that's not how life works really. You know, you you have to, you got to fail a few times and, and learn a little bit But even me, right? Like I, I failed my freshman year of college and that, and that fucked me over for four years straight, man. So, I yep. may or
0: may not have failed calculus. Um, let's just say that. Hey, it happens.
1: I've, hey, people fail classes, it people happens. fail in relationships, people fail in social yeah. situations. It's okay. And I think that's something that that people need to be okay with. I think that's a great thing to bring yeah. in to 2024.
0: Oh, I, that is something. Okay. You just sorry, not to interrupt, but you that sparks my mind. One, we do live in a society um <laughs> i just had to make that joke because what you do like you get when you cross a mentally ill <laughs> loner
1: and a society that abandons him and treats him like trash <laughs> i'll tell you what you get you get what yeah sh- 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 fucking deserve <laughs> um
0: that's build like classic um i would say that actually it's something that um again coming from like a uh again coming from somebody that's like a big part of like the leftist community and like from a leftist background, I think that we really do need to do a better job of understanding and letting people grow. Um, There's a lot of people who had horrible, who have had horrible bigoted opinions, Uh, even me. Um, You have those when you're younger. I mean, it's your material condition, you grow up with it. I think that we should celebrate when, oh, look at how horrible this person was in 2016. Yeah, that really sucks that they said that or did that. But I think that if they really show true change, that should be celebrated. Don't just piss on them for 2016. Enjoy their 2023 self. Enjoy. Like, I think that that's something that we really need to understand more is you may have been privileged enough to grow up with a family that exposed you to different cultures and ideas and created you to be a very empathetic and like understanding person of different people. But not everybody has that. Some people grow up in the fucking ass crack of Alabama with racist parents and they can't do anything about that. So like, Be a little more understanding, even if like, obviously don't forgive people for being shitty to you. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying be understanding and forgive people that show true change. I think that's something we need to bring into 2024 for real, because you're not going to want to make people change if you still piss on them for who they were. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's That's why you can't. It is. That's why you cannot. I, I hate when people like people act like people that don't understand these things are are inherently stupid don't call them stupid or they'll never want to change just say that they're uninformed or they're they just don't understand the whole context you know you you can't you can't help people become better if all you do is shit on them i think that's something that we really need to understand um i think that's a great thing that we should bring into 2024 so are we leaving cancel
1: culture behind in 2023
0: i think that so i don't know okay because it's
1: it's a a weird it's it's a tough question i I know it is but i would say is that what we're saying here
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because i think your point is i think your point is well taken in the sense that like people won't change or grow if you just keep it's like you're 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 kicking the dog that can't defend itself it's like if you keep beating up on them they're not going to want to change and that's why i mean we look at like you know Uh, a tucker carlson or an alex jones right it's like the more that they like are outcast or 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 banned or blocked from certain platforms the louder they get and even andrew tate right it's like you look at those guys it's like i'm not even trying to justify them as people they're they're not they're
0: horrible they're they're inherently not
1: good people but again because they've been they've been cast out they've been um they've been they've been you know they've been denied a platform. It's like, that's just how much louder they're going to be. And they're just going to yeah. make their views even more obnoxious and in your face and more extreme and more unapologetic. And I think, yes. And until... I would say,
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No,
1: you go ahead. Keep, 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 keep adding to your point. I didn't mean to interrupt you in the first place. No,
0: I, I would say here, how about this way? I don't think that cancel culture has no place, but I believe that framing is important. Sure. I believe when you have, Okay, let here, for an example. You see a famous figure of society post on Twitter claiming climate change isn't real. Don't retweet it and say, God, look at this stupid fucking idiot. You can say that to your friends, and that's a valid point. I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to be a dick, but if you think that climate change is real, that's objectively stupid. But don't frame it like that. Know your audience. Instead of saying, hey, look at this dumb fuck. If you believe this guy you're dumb as fuck say something along the lines of this is really harmful propaganda that doesn't that isn't supported by data or climate scientists even something like that that could maybe make someone in the comments if if someone in the comments looks and they're like oh wow all these like all these leftists and liberals are calling me an idiot that's because like they don't want me to know they might think that if you just say hey you know, this isn't supported by science. Please, like, don't spread things like this. Maybe they'll be like, oh, I see a lot of comments saying that this is harmful propaganda or that data and climate scientists don't agree on this. I should go look at that. Obviously you're going to have people that don't, that don't believe in science, that their brains are too rotted. That happens. There is going to be brain rot. Like, you can't do anything about that. There's always going to be people that are extremely, like, you cannot convince them, right? You can't. Um, But I think that being informative while being nice is a way to change someone's mind. Like when, when a Mormon or a Jehovah's witness knocks on your door, even if you don't want them there, don't tell them to piss off and slam the door. That just strengthens their cult. That strengthens the cult. That's exactly what I was bringing up. There's literally papers done on how you are, you are bringing them into their cult because you're scaring them of the outside world. Invite them in for coffee. Make them food. Tell them how you see the world. Tell them how you're still a good person even though you're atheist or you're Muslim or Hindu. Like, show them that hey, there's people that are agnostic that are still great people. It, it, you know, don't don't show them that oh, people hate me because I'm a Jehovah's Witness and so I never need to leave this cult or else I'll never be accepted into the real world. That just strengthens the hold that it has on them. Be compassionate to people even if they're belligerent try to because that's the only way you'll at least try to bring someone over obviously like i said you're gonna have people that are just helpless they're just they're just like fucking they're too far gone You, you know they'll just sit there and be like fuck you fuck you fuck you but for every 100 people that you're compassionate and try to explain your point to maybe two or three people change their mind and that's a ripple effect so i think that Framing is the most important part that we need to that we need to go forward with and leave. I think we need to leave behind total cancellation. Um, I think that the best part of cancel culture is calling out people for doing shitty things. Though I think that that needs to stay. Um, I think if it like let's say like with the whole like uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that was like canceled in 2023. Can't really think like oh like Doja Cat. She was an asshole to her fans and people were like wow this she's a fucking dick yeah say that because that's not cool of her to say that she doesn't care about her fans like that's kind of fucked people still listen to her music though millions i mean which is i'm gonna be honest when it comes to art you need to be able to separate art and artist
1: that i think is a huge one like people like i like it's it's funny for me because i'm like the biggest kanye west fan but like i don't i i don't like kanye the person I like oh, Kanye, the artist. I think they're two completely separate entities. Like look at yes. Kanye, Kanye was rapping about, you know, on crack music, right? He's saying, how do we stop the Black Panthers? Ronald Reagan cooked up an answer, right? It's like, there's so much, <laughs> there's Let's so just much send so- crack
0: to the neighborhoods.
1: right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you read that line on genius, there's like a paragraph or two long analysis and explanation of, you know, his, his, his lyrics and why he wrote it and whatever. And even George Bush doesn't care about black people, right? It's like...
0: Oh, dude, where, bring back that Kanye. Where
1: where did that Kanye go, man? You know, it's no, like... Really. Now it's like... And I, I feel bad for Kanye because I think since, like, 2016, um, he hasn't been mentally well. And yeah. it's a bummer because everybody in his party is, like, a yes man and won't tell him, hey, yeah. man, like, you need help. And yep. he's been pretty abusive to, you know, his ex-wife... And yeah. and just a lot of people in general, the Jewish community. Yeah. Um. Obviously, that's the biggest one, but like he just hasn't sure. he hasn't been like it just hasn't been a good person. But as an artist, that's just like that's just who he is. It's like it's just your yeah. form of expression. I think that's I think it's I a mean, completely important thing to separate art from the artist.
0: Plenty of brilliant minds are not good people, and there's nothing wrong with that. The thing is, is that people that's another thing I don't like about the framing of the Kanye situation is it's like people will sit there and be like, look at this fucking stupid bigot. And it's like, yes, but the reason he is the way he
1: is, is because he's, he needs help. Nobody's telling him to get help. It's like, they're not, everyone's just
0: like, he's getting locked in his
1: own cold. You're right.
0: Yeah. Everyone's like, fuck you, Kanye. You're the worst. And he's, he just sucks back in. It's like, Hey, maybe, maybe everybody was like, look, you really need help. Maybe he would get out of it. Maybe, maybe not. But w- what's the harm in trying to be compassionate? There is no harm. If you're nice to someone and you get told to fuck off, that's no worse than being mean to someone and getting told to fuck off. If anything, it's better. Yeah. Because even if it's a subconscious buildup over years of people trying to be nice and compassionate, maybe one day it clicks and maybe you're a small part of something. And so I think that art and artists need to be separated. Um, of course, like that—that's ridiculous. Like uh, I don't think it's stupid to be like, yeah. Um, actually, don't read any of Doctor Seuss because he was a shithead. It's like I understand not wanting to support him, but I mean he's dead, so it doesn't matter. But like, I understand. People still like, read back his books
1: even day. to this day, right? But they don't know anything yeah. about him until you do a little research.
0: Read. Uh, it's okay to read his books. Just like look. If you want to, um, if you want to, like, uh, boycott something, like, like for example, you boycott Starbucks because they're giving money to the IDF. Uh, that's okay, because that's a current thing. And, you know, if you don't want to do that, don't do that. But, like, w- when you're talking about, like, when you're talking about, like, I don't think that you should tear things away from people they enjoy because of who created them. I think that, I mean, obviously, unless it's an ideology, that's a problem. But, like, I'm talking about, like, you can listen to Kanye's music and you shouldn't be looked like as people shouldn't instantly be like, Oh, you're a Kanye. So you like Kanye's music. Yeah. Okay. You red must flag. be like red s- flag. Exactly. That's like, if you retweet something that someone says that you're like, Oh wow. Like, okay. For example, if you retweeted like a funny video from someone and you're like, wow, that was funny. And then you just didn't, you just kept scrolling. And it turns out you retweeted some like alt-right fascist weirdo guy. You retweeted his funny video that shouldn't automatically be assumed that you're a supporter of him. It's like, oh, I just thought that video was funny. Like, y- you know what I mean? Like, I no, don't think I do. that you should not be demonized for liking art from somebody who's not a good person because, I mean, let's be honest. Think about how many, I mean, there's no, think about how many inventions and art was created in the, well, since the dawn of man, I guess. Um, you, you're, you're telling me that at least 50% of them weren't, shitheads or like 30% of the, you know what I'm saying like at least 30% of them weren't shitheads like think about how people treated people back in the day like you know it's like I don't know any of these guys but it's like what's his name Thomas Edison stole the fucking light bulb invention from I think it was Tesla or someone else Nikola Tesla yeah Nikola Tesla Um, th- hundreds of fucking inventions have been stolen from women hundreds of scientific discoveries have been Look stolen at DNA. by from people of color um, yeah, uh, I mean, even a good example is like, for example, Darwin, come back to biology. Darwin is the one who understood. He's the one who first published um, species like uh, on the origin
1: the of species, but he's still on the origin of species. Herbert Spencer, right? Uh,
0: So here, no, not necessarily. It's like, OK, here. He took a lot of credit of some other things that people built, Um a lot of his ideas were influenced by Malthus who used to be a, yeah
1: Thomas uh, Malthus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, basically, um, there's a line here. Let me look it up. Uh, there's a line in Indonesia. Um, uh, forget what the name of the line is. Um, Oh, my, uh, L key doesn't work. That's cool. um, <laughs> um It's a line where um, basically, ah, yeah, the Wallace line. That's what it is. Um, So basically, there's this guy named uh, Wallace and uh, at literally like at the almost the exact same time as Charles Darwin uh, figured out speciation like uh, his name is, I believe, Thomas Wallace. Let me see. Uh, Alfred Wallace, sorry. His name is Alfred Wallace. Um, he was a big studier in Indonesia and um, he uh, and like Malaysia, that area, uh, modern day Indonesia slash uh, the Pacific Ocean, or I mean, Indo Pacific Ocean. Um, he, at the exact same time as uh, Darwin, figured out um, speciation and was like, oh my God, came to this like moment of, oh my God, evolution, right? And the fun fact is, this is not a story a lot of people know, but so Darwin had known about evolution and speciation for a while, a few years before he published his origin on the origin of species. But what stopped him was his wife was incredibly religious and he was scared she would leave him. So he didn't publish it for a long time because he was scared of that. Um, He was scared of, he was scared of her leaving him or like not believing him because, you know. Uh, A lot of people don't know this, but at the time that really challenged, that was a huge challenge to the understanding of things. People used to think, people used to believe in something called spontaneous, um, like spontaneous existence or spontaneous speciation or something like that. It was the idea that um, if you threw a rotten banana into a vacuum that had no outside contact with the world, maggots would just spontaneously occur um that wasn't figured out until like the 1700s uh that maggots came from flies because like people just thought that things just imagine like spontaneously it happened and then after that people thought that species were like locked in place but would change over time small amounts just due to like they didn't understand that it was because of uh like the four postulates of natural selection and speciation as it's known today. But they understood there was small change over time, but they didn't know the reason why. And so him coming out of nowhere with this idea that basically goes against the church, um, a lot of other things, right? Um, he was scared to do that, understandably so, especially because he didn't want his wife to leave him. So he held on to his his work for a while, and then Thomas Wallace submitted his evolutionary understanding or understanding of the studies of evolution. And um, to, I think it was like the Royal like science, you know, whatever they had back in the, I don't remember. I think it was the 1800s, whatever they had back in the day um, or uh, for like, um, like scientific discovery in Europe, he sent his papers over there and he was friends with all the top people, Darwin, and they told him, like, hey, you either you either publish your paper now and get scientific credit for the idea, or we publish Wallace's paper and he gets credit for it. And so Darwin's like, shit. So they held on to Wallace's paper so that Darwin could submit it first and then submitted Wallace's paper. So when we talk about Darwin's theory of evolution, actually in contemporary science now. Uh, we refer to it as uh, Darwin and Wallace, Darwin and Wallace's theory. Um, that's what we're taught now uh, I don't know about younger kids, but in college that's what we're taught. So it's like a lot of people got credit for something that obviously I mean Darwin would have gotten credit before Wallace had he published it on time but like at the same time it really sucks that Wallace Wallace did a lot for the scientific community too because he understood, something called allopatric speciation is whenever a something a barrier of some type whether it's environmental behavioral geographical some event happens that cuts a species in half two populations and then they change uh that's what the wallace line is it's this line it's an imaginary line in the middle of like uh somewhere in the indo-pacific ocean where in the middle of this imaginary line like split right down the middle on these two sides of this line, these species are completely different and like they're different species, but they all come from one species and some event somewhere along down the line, something happened. And now there's hundreds of species that used to be the same that are different, even though they're only 25 to like a hundred miles away. And so I think that there's a lot of things that have happened that, you know, people didn't get credit for. So it's like for us to sit there and be like, yeah, like, you, I don't think it's I think it's stupid to be like, yeah, actually, um, we shouldn't listen to Darwin because he kind of fucked over Wallace. Like, th- that's not true. Look at someone for their contribute. Con- you can appreciate a contribution to the arts, humanities, science without looking at the person. You know, no, I think like, that's
1: it's a it's a it's a great it's a great point. I think that's a great allegory. And you literally just unlocked a ton of high school biology knowledge in that last um <laughs> five minutes or so and yeah. i was just like i totally forgot about this and then it's like oh <laughs> yeah. there we go maybe uh,
0: maybe i uh maybe i uh maybe i uh what's it called uh maybe someone in someone that listens to this podcast will now want to major in biology maybe i maybe i influence someone <laughs> it's like
1: don't joe, it's do like it the, it's, you it's won't joe, make any fucking money ex- it's the joe rogan experience right here <laughs> don't make don't don't major in biology you won't so, make so any you ever tried money. dmt before Let's do <laughs> and talk about natural selection let me tell you
0: don't major in biology you won't make any money but if you're passionate about it do it.
1: That's the most important thing. <laughs> that is the most passionate. important part. So, we have just one little last minute question here. For sure. Is there anything else that you want people to know about you? What are some big things going on in the future? Just some final thoughts on on the on the the show itself. All
0: right. So, what would people, what would I want people to know about Robert Faubourg? Hmm. Oh, um, I would say my life goal. I feel like my calling in life is uh, I'm an aquatic biology major. I want to hopefully someday go back for my master's in marine biology and maybe PhD someday. We'll see. Um, I want, I think that my calling is to help restore aquatic environments. Um, I think that our aquatic environments are actually what are, Getting destroyed, the worst, and they're unironically the most important part of life. Uh, over forty percent of oxygen in the air that we breathe is made by photosynthetic bacteria and algae in the middle of the in the like it's made by like phytoplankton and algae in the middle of the ocean. Forty percent of our oxygen, um, and so I think that our environments are in a lot of trouble. Um, freshwater, saltwater. Uh, brackish water, whatever you want to say, whichever environment that contains water is in trouble. And aquatic environments are the reason that we're here. Um, So I think that it's my calling in life to make an impact on that. Even if it's a small impact, I want my life's work to go towards restoring the environment. Um, And then I would say another calling I feel like I have in life is I hope that everybody that I interact with and meet comes out of an interaction or knowing me in a better place or a happier state. I think that's something we could all strive for is I think every day that should be your goal is to hopefully make a positive impact on someone. Um, I would say that I'm, I would say that also if uh, I guess if anybody ever wants to talk about scientific things or world things or anything, uh, you can just message me um you know uh i don't know if you like put the what's it called in i'll put links in the
1: description and okay. i'll be there right uh, now
0: everyone yeah you can you can talk to me about anything literally uh i just enjoy talking to people and understanding things so uh, if you ever want to talk about literally anything could be politics could be sports i love soccer big fan football i i prefer calling it football but i know it's not like fully understood as that in the us but um if you ever want to talk about football soccer let me know. Um, Big enthusiast. Uh, I love Brighton, Hove, and Albion. Let's go. go the goals. goals. The goals, baby. The goals. Man, it's crazy how good they are with how little money they spend. I'm serious,
1: bro. They're in like the squad, middle of nowhere, bro. They're in like a tiny the, town in the Cape. Their whole squad, I think,
0: is like under 50 mil euros. Their whole squad. And they're like, what, seventh in the table right now? Eighth? Man. Manu's squad is like nine hundred and eighty million fucking euro, and guess what? Or it might be pounds, actually. I don't know if it's euro or pounds, but um, pretty similar like uh, exchange rate, I think. Anyways, um, dude, they suck ass. I love Manu, but god, they're fucking ass. Um, it's pretty sad how much. It's crazy how good Brighton is for how little money they spend, and how they're out in the middle of like fuck all nowhere, versus like how shit man you are with how much money they spend uh so yeah go goals. um uh my one my one wish for the premier league season don't let man u win or i mean sorry don't let me that one don't worry you don't got to
1: don't let city win
0: for man u not to win they won't do not let city win fuck them please don't let them win um and then i don't know why i have an animosity towards arsenal uh i don't, don't like want arsenal them to win too. they're
1: like the most like Pretentious. neutral neutral team that like you know because the liverpool fans are crazy the manu yeah. fans are crazy the city fans yeah. were never crazy the chelsea fans are crazy but like the arsenal fans are like i feel like if you're just getting into soccer like that's the team that you should follow is arsenal because they're pretty that's true yeah a lot of people have do it. jump to arsenal that's what i'm saying like all the all the kids that you know watch soccer now are like i feel like they're all arsenal fans um yeah i don't like arsenal i but mean for obviously some reason. for yeah. some
0: reason i just don't like them fuck them Fuck the gunners, gooners, whatever they are. <laughs> the, Go- the gooners.
1: <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah, some, no, just fuck some the corny, some corny. I think they're the gunners, but they like, they overpronounce it completely. The gooners. The gooners.
0: Yeah, it's like, bro, dude, I don't know. They're just I, I, something about like, I don't know. I just see a kid in an Arsenal jersey and I just kind of want to trip them, you know? Uh,
1: I guess it's a good thing <laughs> I sold my Henri jersey.
0: <laughs> no, okay. Thierry Henry jersey is valid. Fair, fair. Yeah, because I, I mean, um, you know, yeah. great
1: player. Watched him a lot when I was oh, younger. Great it. player. Great player.
0: And I think v- I think Patrick Vieira played for Arsenal too. Oh yeah. Um. So, uh, I would say, uh, for my Premier League thoughts, don't let Man U or, Ar- or don't let Man City or Arsenal win. Uh, I'm okay with Liverpool winning. Uh, I'm I I would love for Newcastle to win actually. Um, I like Newcastle. I like their squad a lot. I really like Kieran Trippier. He hasn't been playing well recently, but um, I really like him. Uh, and uh, for uh for the NFL, I don't really watch a lot of NFL. I prefer college football. Uh, oh, I just man. don't want the cow. I just don't want the Cowboys to win. Fuck the Cowboys. Um their fans piss me off so i just really hope they lose
1: as soon that's as i really left funny. as soon as i left dallas i was like i can't be a cowboys fan anymore oh it's so funny you know, it's
0: i got, so out, at funny right, I got out at the right i got out at the right time cry. that's my favorite like 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 you know that episode of south park where where cartman is like licking someone's tears and he's like mmm, tasty tears that's me with cowboys fans when they cry and they bitch and moan online it makes me happy so uh, i hope the cowboys lose uh, I know you're a fan of the Browns. I hope they do good. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited. I would say uh, for college football, um, I really wish that Alabama didn't get in. That's really shitty. Uh, FSU definitely should have gotten the spot.
1: I think college football is just, I feel like there's so many more things to talk about with college sports than, than so, pro sports right now because there's like the college football playoff. Are there too many bowl games? Should there be more teams in the yeah. playoff? And obviously next year it's expanding to 12 and, you know, there's the whole conference realignment. Like, bro, I didn't yeah. even realize both BYU and UCF are in the Big 12. So if you got to travel from like Provo, Utah to Orlando, Florida, like twice that's a ass. season, that's crazy.
0: I think that's like a, that's got to be at least be like a seven hour flight. It's the like same, but it's
1: like the same thing if you're like, you know, because UCLA and USC are joining the Big 10, right? So it's like, you know, that's probably a longer flight to go oh, from like for sure. Cleveland to... You know, or or Columbus to um, you probably it doesn't matter, but yeah, you go from Columbus or Cleveland to Los Angeles, that's like seven hour flight.
0: Hundred percent. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean the the only team, the only the only conferences that travel more are probably the um, whatever the conference that like Texas State in is. Which go Bobcats first bowl game ever? I'm going to the game.
1: Go Bobcats. They're in the Sun Belt, right?
0: Yeah. Wait. Yeah, I want to say something. No, not Sunbelt. Wait. Yes, Sunbelt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're in the Sunbelt. Yeah. Um first ever bowl game that they've ever had and I'm going to it. We're playing uh against uh oh, dude, I should know this. Like it just slipped my mind. I just bought tickets like the other week. Um they're playing at the SMU stadium. Uh they're playing against uh man, this really doesn't make me sound like a good fan. Uh give me one sec. Uh, it's been a it's been a long week, okay. Uh I totally
1: it's been understand. a long couple
0: weeks. I uh, totally organic understand. chemistry. A, organic chemistry final will take it out of you, I promise. Uh let's see. Uh, oh, and my L key's broken. That's sick. We play against rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so we have the absolute bright, shining academics of Texas in rice, and then we have the absolute degenerate partiers of Texas State going at it. So um, I fully expect the Texas State fans to absolutely out-party and out-drink the Rice fans. I'm sure the everybody... The Rice
1: intellectuals. Think.
0: The Rice intellectuals will be drinking tea. And um, they'll be drinking tea. They'll be reading academic works in the stands. Texas State fans will be tweeting out, fuck owls, probably. will probably be smashing beer shotgunning beers and throwing the cans onto the Rice. You know, I, I just... I know that we'll win in the crowds. I hope we win on the field. Um, go Bobcats. Uh, and then I would say, uh, I really enjoyed our time on the podcast. I think it's a great format. I really enjoy it. And, um, I think that, I think that we had a lot of really good conversation actually. Um, Absolutely. I maybe had like
1: three questions prepared for this. I had no idea where this was going to go and we kept it going for almost over an hour and a half.
0: Yeah. Um, actually I was going to say, uh, yeah, I'm um, sorry for making it so long. No, uh, dude,
1: I, I don't. Like I said, these are unscripted, unfiltered, so nothing's getting cut. And if you've made it this awesome. far in the show, thank you for listening.
0: Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to me. Uh, I didn't let William really talk that much, but I just I'm a real big chatter and uh, I talk a lot and I'm loud. So
1: that's what being on a podcast uh, is for. I'm the host. You're the guest. We host it together. And the guest does more talking than the host. It is okay. I guess
0: that's fair. Okay, that's fair. But I still, I, I do talk a lot. Um, it's that, quite all right. <laughs> I was
1: really fascinated by the stories, and I hope all of you guys listening were. But uh, I think with that, that'll wrap up episode number 61 with my great friend, Robert Faubourg. Thanks for coming on. It's great to see your face. great to talk to you uh, over the power of the internet. And uh, as I mentioned, all of his links will be down in the description. Um, this is coming out the 22nd, three days before Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, have a happy Christmas. I don't say Merry Christmas. It's really stupid. Um, (laughs) eat some good food, give gifts to the ones you love. Watch. It's a wonderful life. I'm literally George Bailey. And, um, that's about it guys. That's all I got. Um, next week we'll have another great guest episode. Stay tuned for who it's going to be. The new logo will drop in a couple weeks. So, also stay tuned for that. But that's all we got, guys. This is the Down Baz Power Hour. I'm your host, Baz, signing off. <laughs>